My name is Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you joining us today. And as always, uh, joining me on the podcast is uh, 444.com senior editor. Although I think you you have a new title, don't you, John Paulson? Yeah, I'm the director of forecasting now. Director so, of forecasting. I have to write yeah. that down because I'm going to screw up. I'm going to screw up that intro every single time. Yeah, we're going to have this same conversation probably 15 times this year. I want to do it before <laughs> every podcast and yeah. really annoy listeners. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. Uh, tell, us, tell us about the music, and then we'll dive into today's pod. Yeah, this is a, a new track from Death Cab for Cutie. It's called Gold Rush. It's uh, you know it's on the alt rock stations now, but uh, it's off their uh, new album, which is forthcoming, I believe. Uh, and uh, it's about uh, cities that go undergo uh, gentrification, uh, having to live with the changes in your neighborhood, uh, in the in the you know for progress, uh, they say. So, uh, it's a, it's a really good track and, uh, it's one I can listen to a couple times in a row. So check it out. Looking forward to it. All right. Over the next four weeks, we're going to cover one position per episode on the podcast. This week's episode, we're doing quarterbacks. We're going to take a deep dive into the position and then talk about a number of options for fantasy owners, including overall strategy and then John's favorite sleepers. But first let's discuss a few items uh, of news here, including John Doug Baldwin, who uh, ESPN Adam Schefter is reporting that he may miss most, if not all, of the preseason per Schefter. Doctors are hopeful and confident that Baldwin will be ready by the week one, by the time week one rolls around. He's dealing with a knee injury. How do you assess Doug Baldwin's status, knowing that he could miss the preseason? Well, it's a little bit uh, concerning due to the missing the entire preseason. Um, that's not ideal. And this is a pretty thin receiving core as it stands. They lost Paul Richardson. Uh, they lost uh, Jimmy Graham uh, as well. So, uh, you know, Doug Baldwin, I had ranked uh, 10th here in PPR formats right behind Devontae Adams and Larry Fitzgerald and ahead of uh, Adam Thiel and Stefan Diggs. And I think um, I'm going to have to move him down a couple spots because I do like Thielen and Diggs quite a bit. Uh, T.Y. Hilton at 13, Golden Tate at 14. So, um the chances of him playing week one sound good, but uh, these injuries in the preseason have a tendency to linger. Um, they can sometimes uh, re-injure their uh, injury in uh, September, and now they're out for a couple more weeks. But this sounds like it's a mild knee sprain, um, and they may just be uh, being cautious with him, uh, planning for him to be out most of, most of the preseason. Maybe he plays in the third preseason game. Maybe he doesn't play at all, and they just – kind of pack him in ice until uh, until week one, knowing that he's a veteran and and he and Russell Wilson are on the same page. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned, but uh, not overly concerned. I probably would take Thielen and Diggs over him right now uh, due to the injury, but uh, I wouldn't move him down too far. All right, so this is kind of a, a big hubbub uh, among fantasy players, especially on Twitter. Since we're talking about the Seahawks, we got to dive into this Chris Carson, Rashad Penny situation. So do you think that Chris Carson is going to start over Rashad Penny? Uh, ESPN Seahawks reporter Brady Henderson considered Carson the favorite 10th of the season as Seattle's starting running back. Fantasy owners, just they some don't know how to handle this situation. How are you handling it? 
Well, this is a uh, kind of a strange situation uh, due to the draft capital used for each of these guys. Carson was a seventh round pick. He did pretty well last year. Um, 49 carries, uh, 208 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. He had seven catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Um, but he only played in four games. Um, and this is like a Pete Carroll thing where he's really talking up Chris Carson. He's also been talking up Rashad Penny this offseason. Um, but Carson was a seventh-round pick. Uh, Penny was a first-round pick. So I, I find the logic here pretty strange. Um, if you're If you – believe so much in Chris Carson. You think he's so great. Uh, why would you use a first round pick uh, on a position where you think you already have a great player? I mean, this is not a team that has no holes. Right. Uh, they need, uh, they could use an offensive lineman. They, you know, the defense is not as good as it used to be. Um, or maybe another receiver for, uh, for, Rashad, uh, for Russell Wilson to throw to. Um, so if this is such a position of strength or Carson is so good, and you know you got him in the seventh round. Uh, why don't you go with Carson and then draft a you know another running back in the third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh round, knowing that you got uh, a great player uh, at that point in the draft before? Uh, so that's odd. Um, that either tells me that they're you know it doesn't say much about their ability to assess Carson in, in terms of this offseason. Why would they use a first round pick? Um, and or they're just being, you know, not being uh, truthful about what they're planning to do with Penny. Uh, I do. It does seem like it's not just Car- Carol. The beat writers also seem to be saying that Carson is looking good in camp and and all that. So, you know, I would not be surprised whatsoever if Carson is starting week one. Um, but I think by the end of the season, um, which doesn't help fantasy runs very much, but maybe middle fourth, fifth week. Penny's getting more and more work because just due to the uh, amount of money or amount of draft capital that they've they've put into the the position that Penny's going to get his chance and you know I've been reading about Chris Carson you know is he good um, the film study that I've seen from different people that I that I trust seem to say that uh, you know he did pretty well last year but he he was nothing special uh, in terms of his running ability or ability to create yards on his own um, so. I would still draft Penny. I am not as excited about getting him in maybe the fourth round as I was uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, due to this. Uh, Carson is still pretty cheap. Um, I think in our recent four for four staff um, MFL 10 uh, best ball draft, I took Penny early and then I backed him up with Carson in the ninth round. I think that's more than you'd want to pay for a handcuff, but um I felt like I needed to short the position given the other talent that was available at the running back position. So I, I would downgrade Penny a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, by week four, he's probably the, the RB one in Seattle. Um, this could go the other way. And it's a weird, it'd be a really weird deal for a seventh round pick to hold off uh, a first round pick by all who, by all accounts is doing very well in camp and looks great. So it's just kind of a strange situation, but this is the same Pete Carroll that talked up Christine, Michael, uh, Kristen, Michael, and, in 2016, so and that really went nowhere. So just keep that in mind. And it's the same team that signed Eddie Lacy, believing that he would uh, keep the weight off and be productive. And we all know how that went last year. All right, quarterback discussions coming up. Want to let you know though, use our code, which is T M A P, the most accurate podcast. But just use the letters T first letters T M A P 
to get 10% off any 4 for 4 subscription. Go to 4for4.com, use that code TMAP, get yourself 10% off any 4 for 4 subscription. John, let's switch to quarterback, uh, our quarterback discussion this week. That's kind of the, the, the central focus of our pod today. Let's talk about the position in tiers. You sent over your tiers, so I'll read them off, and you can kind of rap about uh, which tier you think has maybe some value to it, how you're viewing the tier as a whole, and obviously looking at specific players as, as well. However you want to do it, we'll do that. Uh, you ready? Yeah, so why don't you just read off the first tier, then I'll talk about it, then do tier two, then I'll talk about that, et cetera. Well, the tier one is incredibly long. It's Aaron Rodgers. Okay. That's it. That's your point. Yeah. So, um, and that, that certainly makes sense. So why don't you talk about Rodgers coming off the injury last year? Yeah, did the did the goat uh, emoji come through in the email when I sent it to you? <laughs> it, may, it may have. I'll have to go back and see. I don't know if I saw the the, the goat emoji. All right, so I just you know I, I kid. I, I say that because I like to to tweak the Tom Brady uh, Patriots fans. Um, I have some next door to me uh, where I live here in Southern California. There's some diehard Patriots fans next door. Maybe they're listening. Uh, I actually did a. Uh, a poll on Twitter and I asked, is Aaron Rodgers the most talented quarterback ever to play the game? And let me say what the results were. And then you can tell me what you think, uh, Anthony, yep. but that it got into a whole debate about what is most talented. Da, 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 da. I'm just saying like everything that it takes to, you know, play the quarterback position. I'm not talking about the most successful. I'm not talking about the most Super Bowl wins or most winning or anything like that, but the most talented. Yeah. I thought, I thought the results were interesting because it was 55% of respondents said yes. 45% said no. Where, where would you fall on this? on this uh, question. You, you know, I, I would say I would have to do a deep dive into, you know, uh, looking at previous quarterbacks. Like, obviously, I think I think you hit upon it. Most successful doesn't mean most talented because Joe Montana and Tom Brady are the, have been obviously the most successful quarterbacks in the league, but uh, neither of that had elite arm strength. You know, Joe Montana had some mobility, Tom Brady not. But when you look at Aaron Rodgers, I mean, what's what's the thing that everybody gets frustrated about with Alex Smith? He can't go outside the framework of the system when the playoffs are there, right? When when he's in the playoffs, he's got to stick to that system come hell or high water. That's why a lot of coaches like Alex Smith, and that's why he has some success during the regular season. But when you're facing elite defenses, and a lot of times you do in the playoffs, you need somebody to go off script. Aaron Rodgers does that better than anybody. And oh, by the way, he's got excellent mobility. And oh, by the way, he's got excellent athleticism. and He's got a cannon arm. Uh, so for me, I, I would say I would say yes. Obviously, Dan Marino's up there for me from a talent standpoint, but again, he's he's not mobile. Uh, Michael Vick is one of the most athletic quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. He had everything from running ability to throwing ability, but you know, obviously, um, he had the off-field stuff certainly. But you know, he also didn't necessarily put in the work down in Atlanta, and he he had admitted it. So Aaron Rodgers is the complete package. So he's certainly up there for me. All right. Well, thank you for that. That, that like, you know, he's my favorite player. So it's just nice to hear somebody just talk glowingly about it's, him. Uh, it's easy to praise that guy. That's for sure. Yeah. So from a fantasy standpoint, he, it's hard to justify his draft spot, even though he is the, the goat. Um, just because he's, you know, usually in friends and family leagues, he's usually going in the first or second round. Uh, they, since they tend to overvalue the quarterback position. Uh, but, if you look at his eight healthy seasons, he's finished with an average uh, positional ranking of 2.0. Uh, his 23 healthy games over the past two seasons, he's averaging 265 yards, 2.4 touchdowns, 0.6 interceptions. He also gives you 22.5 rushing yards uh, per game and one or 0.18 rushing touchdowns in that, uh, in that game. So he can score with his arm or with his legs. 
I think he has the best chance of finishing as the number one overall quarterback. And um, for me, it's it's hard to justify drafting him given all the depth at the position. Um, I almost took him in the pros versus Joe's draft. I was thinking about it in the fifth round, uh, but he did not make it to me. Uh, I thought he might make it to me because uh, in these industry drafts, um, quarterback position gets really super devalued. And sometimes you end up with a, an Aaron Rodgers in the fifth round. Um, so do you want to take him in, in your home draft? Uh, he definitely gives you an advantage, uh, but there are other players at, at his draft ADP that um, hold more uh, relative value to their position than what he does. You can easily get away with um, uh, streaming position or having a committee or um, just drafting one of these 12th, 13th round running backs or quarterbacks and uh, focus, uh, building your roster around the running back and wide receiver and tight end positions. I, I won't spend a lot of time talking about Rodgers because uh, you, you nailed it, John, and you know we don't need to spend a lot of time praising him um, outside of the fact that you're a Packer fan. But if, if you do want to go with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's as close to a slam dunk as you can get at the quarterback position. I was looking at Green Bay's schedule, and it's set, it's set up incredibly f- uh, favorable for, for Green Bay. They draw just one top 10 team, which is Minnesota. Uh, it's at Lambeau in the first, I think, six or seven weeks. Then they get a bye. They do face the Rams, and they do face New England in following weeks. So that's kind of a tough back-to-back stretch there. But then from week nine on, Green Bay's schedule is one of the softest I've seen from a bottom, bottom 10 opponent standpoint. So if you if you do want to go that route, again, I think it's, it's a slam dunk. Just realize what John's talking about in that you know, you're going to be passing on an a, a elite running back or an elite wide receiver to do so. You ready for a tier two? Yeah, let's do it. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, and you have an asterisk by Kirk Cousins. Uh, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, another asterisk there, and then Drew Brees. Yeah, the asterisk just meant that uh, I had some some stats with those guys and uh, I was going to mention them specifically. And those, uh, the reason that Cousins and Stafford are – are highlighted there is because those are the kind of two guys that I'm, I am targeting in those late middle rounds. Cousins sometimes slips into the eighth, ninth, 10th round. I just got him in the 10th. I think in that pros versus Joe's draft, I think that was that draft. Um, I'm in so many right now, but uh, cousins slipped to the 10th Stafford, I think went in the eighth or seventh in that draft. Those are the two guys, the bottom of this tier, I think ADP wise that I end up with, with the most because there is a bit of a drop-off between Tier 2 and Tier 3 from a fantasy point standpoint. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think, is in a great situation in Minnesota. Uh, he's finished 5th, 5th, and ninth at his position in the last three years, so he's got uh, three top 10 uh, finishes in the last three years. I, lo- I really like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen as the top two receivers. Uh, they still have Treadwell there, uh, who I think is starting over Kendall Wright, who they added uh, to that receiving core after losing Jarius Wright. Uh, and they also have a, a solid tight end in Kyle Rudolph. I think this is a really good landing spot. Uh, they, they're going to be uh, – and the Vikings offense is looking pretty good as a whole as well. Um, and you look at uh, their uh, offensive coordinator, John D- uh, John Dill Filippo. Uh, he was – I'm going to do it now. D Filippo. D Filippo. D Filippo. There you go. Yep. There's a few people that listen that hate the fact that I can't pronounce names, but I don't, uh, I don't do a good job with that, and that's one of my uh, major faults. Anyway, uh, he was credited with uh, Carson Wentz's turnaround. He was a quarterbacks coach, part of his turnaround anyway. Uh, he's a quarterbacks coach in Philly, so 
he should help Cousins succeed as well. Um, and then quarterbacks that change teams in free agency, I don't shy away from them as much as I do receivers because the quarterbacks are able to drive their own fantasy value. And this is a good situation for, for Cousins. The other guy, uh, Stafford, that I end up with uh, quite a bit is – I just think he's undervalued year after year. Um, he has a history of meeting his meeting or beating his ADP. Uh, since he's started to play under Jim Bob Cooter as an offensive coordinator – 41 games, he's uh, completed 66% of his passes for 7.51 yards per attempt, uh, 4.9 touchdown uh, rate, 1.6 interception rate. Uh, that Those are all big jumps from his uh, previous numbers without Jim Bob Cooter calling the plays. And, you know, this is a lot of this now is without Calvin Johnson in the lineup as well. So he's, uh, he's probably the safest uh, quarterback pick in my estimation there. If, you know, eighth, ninth round, 10th round. Um, you can get him and add him to a roster of seven or eight or nine uh, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. You're going to have a really strong lineup. And I like these other guys as well. Uh, Wilson, Watson, Brady, Newton, Wentz, Breeze. They don't typically slip to a point where I would draft them, though. So the guys I've been getting are Cousins and Stafford. Um, I want to spend a couple minutes here talking about Deshaun Watson, who you mentioned in, in your tier two. I just mentioned the schedule for the Green Bay Packers. The Texans have one of the softest schedules in the entire league. The AFC is top-heavy this year. Uh, the AFC South certainly isn't a pushover with the, the likes of Jacksonville, who Houston will obviously face twice. The Texans do take on New England in week one, so that's a challenge. Although Deshaun Watson and the Texans put up a, a lot of points last year in Foxborough. But check this out, John. Th- weeks 3 through 15 – the Texans take on the Giants, the Colts twice, the Cowboys, who do not have a good pass defense at all, Buffalo, who's in a major regression year, Miami, Denver without Aqib Tlaib. Uh, now, obviously, they get, still get to good corners, but you know Denver's uh, much winnable, more winnable now than they were a couple of years ago. Redskins, Browns, and Jets. This is this should be another high-scoring offense. Deshaun Watson lit up the league last year. He's coming off another ACL. That's two now. He had one at Clemson on one knee and then uh, toward the other ACL last year. But uh, I'm really high on Deshaun Watson. Obviously, you get the rushing yards as well. You ready for Tier 3? Yeah, let's do it. Jimmy Garoppolo, Andrew Luck, Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, Patrick Mahomes, who I know you're very high on this year, uh, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota. Go. All right. So, uh Garoppolo obviously looked good in his stint uh, as a starter there in San Francisco. He's got a good offense, uh, up-and-coming offense there. He's getting Pierre Garçon back. George Kittle is an emerging tight end. Uh, Marquise Goodwin was obviously very good for them last year. So that's a, a good situation for Garoppolo. Andrew Luck, I think, could be a league winner for for owners if he's fully healthy with that shoulder. Um, 22 games since 2015. He's averaged 278 passing yards, 2.1 touchdowns per game, 1.1 interceptions per uh, per, per game so if it's a high uh, cost for interceptions in your league then he's a little uh, not as not as uh, valuable as he would be in a low uh, you know minus one for interceptions in most in most leagues minus two maybe uh, but 20.2 fantasy points uh, per game would have been the fourth highest in 2017 so you know you can get him as the 11th 12th 13th 14th running back or quarterback off the board um, he could be a league winner for you but uh, there's obviously some risk there with that shoulder uh, Roethlisberger, home away splits uh, over the last two years, 318 yards, 2.8 touchdowns at home. Um, those are number one quarterback numbers. Uh, his away splits, 246 yards, 1.3 touchdowns, uh, equate to a, a number 17 finish. So 
he's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, depending on if he's playing home or away. Uh, I could easily see drafting Roethlisberger as the 10th to 13th quarterback off the board and then just playing him at home and streaming. Um, and maybe you also play him in his easy road matchups, uh, like maybe at Cleveland, he's fine. Um, but, you know, if he gets a tougher road matchup, say against the, the Ravens, uh, then you, you're streaming the position and finding a, a better uh, matchup for that particular week. Uh, you should get really good numbers out of Roethlisberger. Uh, Rivers has been super uh, consistent every this or super consistent from a year end standpoint. Sometimes he has some bad games where he throws three or four picks, uh, but he has five straight top 12 finishes, nine top 12 finishes in his last 10 seasons. Uh, I would have felt a little bit better about him if he had not lost Hunter Henry, uh, but they might bring Antonio Gates back uh, to play tight end. I know he's older now, but uh, they've got some good receivers there uh, for him to throw to. So I don't think it's too, uh, too much of a downgrade for rivers. And then uh, uh, Jared Goff, before I talk about Mahomes. Uh, you know, Goff took a big step forward last year. I, th- I have a lot of confidence in Sean McVay and that Rams uh, front office and uh, in terms of surrounding him with talent, getting Brandon Cooks uh, in there instead of uh, uh, Sammy Watkins. I think Cooks will take the top off that defense, give uh, Goff plenty of weapons along with uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup um, as well. And then uh, Mahomes, who I wrote a lot longer article about, you know, he's probably the biggest unknown, maybe the biggest risk. And I did like taking him as the 19th or 20th quarterback off the board as opposed to the uh, 14th or 15th that he's going off the board now. I see him going in the top 10 sometimes now. So that's getting a little pricey. But in the home and, you know, friends and family drafts, home drafts, he's probably not going to be as well known uh, amongst the more casual fancy fans. So uh, you may be able to get him 10th, 11th, 12th round and uh, be able to start him. I guess he's throwing some picks in, in uh, camp. Uh, he is, does seem like he might be kind of high interception based on his college stats. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, his limited appearances in the, in the regular season, I think he had one appearance and a few appearances in the preseason. If you just look at that and extrapolate it over a 16-game season, it's 4,083 yards, 24.2 touchdowns. Uh, well, he would also run for an additional 327 yards, probably score a few touchdowns on the ground as well. So those are top 10 numbers. I really love his receiving core with uh, Travis Kelsey at tight end. Sammy Watkins uh, is an upgrade at uh, wide receiver, uh, along with Tyree Kill, who had a breakout season last year. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware can catch the ball in the backfield. So um, his, his situation there is great. And uh, the typical Andy Reid, uh, quarterback finishes with an average fantasy ranking of 11.3 since the year 2000. Wow. So, uh, the, you know, playing for Reed is good for quarterbacks as well. And, and with Mahomes too, you talk about the interceptions. I know ESPN.com had the story that you're referring to. He had like six, six or seven interceptions already in camp. He's a gunslinger. I mean, he's somebody that's, that's, that's probably going to throw you a bunch of touchdowns and he's going to think at times he can fit the ball in tight windows and he may, he may throw uh, multiple interceptions in a game. That's just kind of how he is. And I think just that's, that's the type of player, but the upside is certainly there. Uh, I don't know if you did this on purpose or not, but I'd love to talk about Matt Ryan for a second. Um, I know that. Oh, sure. Sure. I, I know John that he's, he's basically got a, an average draft position of a fantasy backup right now. And I understand it last year's touchdowns came way down, but when you look at his season last year and, and that was considered a down year, and it certainly was coming off the MVP year, the year before, his completion rate was there. Yards per attempt was there. 
The problem with the Falcons is they got bogged down inside the red zone. Steve Sarkeesian had this idea where I'm going to spread everybody out, go 11 personnel, and I'm going to try to throw throw into the end, you know, throw into the end zone as soon as he got into the red zone. I think Sarkeesian actually improved as the regular season wore on. I thought he was good in the Rams game. The final drive for the Eagles cost the Falcons a chance to go to the NFC Championship game. I'm not overlooking that. But don't forget that Matt Ryan statistically had his worst year in the first season with Kyle Shanahan as the coordinator. The second year is when he won the MVP and they went to the Super Bowl. Steve Sarkeesian is not Kyle Shanahan, but with that second year coming, more comfort, you know, uh, comfortability, he, they, they, they could get on the same page. I do think that Ryan will have similar numbers uh, as last year, but with a Maybe maybe uh, an uptick in, in touchdowns. I think he's a positive regression candidate from a touchdown standpoint. I'm not saying that he's going to win you any fantasy leagues, but considering his average draft position, John, I do like him heading into this year. I think I think he's a small value play. Yeah, and he's going the 15th quarterback off the board, so it just show, goes to show you how much depth there is at the position that you can wait and wait and wait and wait and still get somebody like Matt Ryan who has three top nine finishes in the last six years. He finished 7th, 18th, 9th, 28th, 2nd, and 20th over the last six years. That's going chronologically. So you could also look at this like he's due for a top 10 finish because he has, it seems like he has one every other year. Yeah. Um, so the, oh, the other guy I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, Marcus Mariota, who was one of my targets last year, and it kind of backfired, but I think he might be a post-hype sleeper this year with Matt LaFleur coming in from the Rams, uh, taking over this offense. Uh, obviously, LaFleur was around for Jared Goff's leap into the top 10, top 12 fancy quarterbacks. You look at Mariota's per-game uh, numbers in his first two seasons, 17.6 fancy points per game. He can add points with his with his, uh, with his his legs. Uh, he's got a good collection of weapons with Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, Richard Matthews, who's out with a mysterious injury right now, by the way. Uh, Taewon Taylor and pass catching running back Deion Lewis. So this could be with a new offense, a new scheme uh, could be a breakout season for Mariota as well. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, I wouldn't underestimate that hiring when the Falcons lost Kyle Shanahan. They also lost Matt LaFleur, who was an assistant to Shanahan and the quarterbacks coach for Matt Ryan. He obviously went to LA to be with Sean McVay. I mean, they're going to run, they're going to do similar things as both Shanahan and McVay. Uh, he might be maybe a, a, a little over his skis in year one in Tennessee, but I do think at some point he is going to have a, a positive you – know, he's going to make a positive impact as a play caller. All right, tier four, Mitch Trubisky in his second year. You have Alex Smith, Blake Bortles, and then Dak Prescott. Yeah, this is like – when I look at the fancy points, these guys are actually very close to tier three. Uh, Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota are, are – um, Separated by a point, but this is sort of like if you if you had everybody's name uh, quarterbacks on a wheel and you spun the wheel and one of these guys came up, you'd kind of be like, oh, <laughs> right, because you're like, oh, maybe I get Aaron Rodgers, maybe right, I get Deshaun right. Watson, and you know, I, I got Alex Smith. Or <laughs> uh, I know there's Alex Smith fans out there, yeah, no big offense. ones, right? No offense. Yeah, no offense to them. Uh, but so these are these are again these are guys where if you really want to wait a long time on the position, you can wait. Wait and wait and wait and wait, and uh, you can pick these guys up. Uh, you know, quarterback sixteen, quarterback twenty off the board. Uh, Trubisky, I do have 
a bit of optimism about um, just looking at what they did in terms offensively around him. Typically, we work at quarterbacks that start um, as rookies struggle. They make a big, big jump in their second seasons. It's 30.5%. Um, that's he falls in the category. He's not exactly in the study because he only started 12 games as a rookie. And I was looking at uh, rookies that started 15 as rookies and then 15 plus as sophomores. But he, the weird thing about the study is that there's a big separation. There's either rookie quarterbacks who come on and light it on fire, like Cam Newton, or set the world on fire, like Cam Newton and Sean Watson, uh, or there's guys that just come in and struggle and then they make a big leap the second year season. That was something somebody like uh, Carson Wentz did that as well. So you're looking at like a 30% jump in his fantasy points per game. And I'm expecting even more than that because they added Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel. Uh, they've added Anthony Miller in the draft. They have a whole new offensive scheme with Matt Nagy, who did a good job calling plays for the Chiefs. So there's some optimism here with the Bears uh, and Trubisky taking a big leap forward. Um I think Alex Smith will be fine in Washington. I'm not super excited about him this year, just given the change of scenery and um, everything. But he'll drive his own fantasy value if he he's capable of playing well. He was obviously the number three fantasy quarterback last year, um, and it was really you know a big statement for the Chiefs to to trade him away to allow Mahomes to start. Um, but you know, you look at that group of offensive weapons, you know, Jordan Reed needs to stay healthy. Jamison Crowder needs to have a back, uh, bounce back season. Uh, Josh Dotson already has a shoulder injury in camp. They signed Paul Richardson to shore up the receiving game as well. So it's not the greatest group of receivers. So I'm interested to see how he does uh, in preseason and what sort of rapport he's building with those guys. Uh, Blake Bortles, I just took him in a uh, first down point per first down draft because he does run the ball significantly and um, gets first downs that way. Uh, but I got him as my second quarterback. Uh, it's a, like a two quarterback first down uh, league. Uh, I think he's undervalued right now. I mean, I know it's Bortles. Uh, you know, Bortles is going to Bortle, uh, that kind of stuff. But he's finished uh, 13th, 9th, and 4th going backwards. Uh, so three years ago, he finished fourth, ninth two years ago, and 13th last year. Not a great trend, uh, but he still has three top 13 finishes in the last three years, and he's going like quarterback 20, quarterback 21 off the board. Um, they lost Allen Robinson, which is a which is a blow. But they had a good, deep group of receivers. Marquise Lee, Dante Moncrief they signed. Um, they have uh, D.D. Westbrook, uh, Keelan Cole. Uh, they drafted uh, the Shark kid. Uh, as well, they signed Austin Safarian Jenkins at tight end. Uh, so there is quite a few weapons to throw to. There isn't like a, maybe a go-to guy like they had with Robinson. Uh, but, you know, Bortles finished last year 13th and didn't have Robinson. So I think he's capable uh, of putting up a good fantasy season without him. And Deck Prescott, I would have, you know, if Des Bryant had, had stayed with the team and uh, more specifically probably uh, Jason Witten, uh, I probably would have had Prescott close to QB one numbers, but I think without those guys, um, they're kind of struggling at the receiver position. Uh, and I think Prescott's going to, you know, have a little bit of trouble uh, matching his career numbers uh, fancy wise. I know you spent a lot of time talking about Mitchell Trubisky and kind of the upside there. I do want to, I, I do want to add too. I mean, going from uh, what they had a year ago with John Fox and uh, I think it was Dowell Logans a year ago as offense coordinator to go to, to go to Matt Nagy, who, was with uh, Andy Reid, and they're going to be running a lot of same things that not only Andy Reid does, but the disciple Doug Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. I could see a pretty significant jump from Mitchell Trubisky. Now, would I draft him? 
Maybe not, but I do think he's he's an interesting case study heading into uh, his second full season uh, in the NFL. All right, let's go to uh, the last tier, and then we'll get into some some wild cards and then your strategy and some late-round quarterback stuff. Tier 5, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Case Keenum, Eli Manning, and Jameis Winston. Yeah, you spin the wheel and you come up with these guys and you're like, oh. <laughs> worst. I think the I think the groan's even bigger. Uh, oh, okay, but I mean, there's some guys here that have had upside uh, in their you know in their careers. They've proven that they can play. Carr was very highly drafted. Um, I don't know, it was last year, or the year before, heading into the season. I didn't draft him. I don't think, but um, he disappointed. And now he's got John Gruden as head coach, and John Gruden is showing grainy film of <laughs> offensive schemes from the '70s, I guess, <laughs> in, in camp. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Dalton is. Pretty solid. Uh, you know, Tyler Eifert's back. Uh, AJ Green. Uh, Joe makes some pretty good pass catching. Um, running back John Ross apparently is having a much better camp. Um, Tyler Boyd's there as well. So there's Dalton could make some noise as a streamer. Ryan Tannehill's had his moments uh, as the quarterback for the Dolphins. Uh, Case Keenum obviously had a good year last year for the for the Vikings. He's throwing to Demarius Thomas and. Emmanuel Sanders um, in Denver. So he could be a streaming option as well. And the guy I think I wanted to, the two guys I want to talk mostly about was Eli Manning and um, Jameis Winston. So Manning, his numbers with and without Odell Beckham are really stark. So over the past three seasons, Manning has averaged 267 yards, 1.9 touchdowns with Beckham in the lineup. That's 17.1 point or 17.1 fantasy points per game without Beckham, 215 yards, one touchdown, 10.8 fantasy points per game. Wow. So Manning has been a, a top 10 quarterback with Beckham in the lineup, but he's a QB three. Uh, he's outside the top 24 uh, without Beckham. So, you know, things are shaping up for Manning that, you know, with Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley can catch the ball, a healthy Odell Beckham. It would not be shocking if Eli, if he plays 16 games and all these players play 15 plus games, 14 plus games, that he ends up in the top 10. So you can get him very late in your draft, see how he does, and then uh, stream the position if you need to, if you really want to to wait a long time on the quarterback position. Uh, and then Jameis Winston, you know, obviously he's got the three-game suspension, um, and there's a little bit of uncertainty with whether or not the franchise is going to commit to him as their uh, quarterback of the future. They have to make that decision this year. Uh, but he play, he played really well especially down the stretch last year from a fantasy standpoint, he was a borderline QB one and he's going very late in fantasy drafts. So uh, if you can, if you want to draft maybe a Winston, uh, we'll talk about Tyra Taylor in a minute, uh, draft those two. Taylor probably starts the first month of the season and then you could ride Winston the rest of the way. Um, and he uh, will probably put up pretty good numbers for you. He's got Mike Evans, um, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin to throw to, uh, so a good set of weapons for Winston as well. And the, the suspension has made him super cheap in fantasy drafts. You just mentioned Tyrod Taylor. You list him as a wild card. Why is that? Well, his, he's going very late in drafts because I think a lot of people don't really buy that Baker Mayfield is going to sit, sit, you know, be sidelined the entire season. So, you know, how many starts are we getting to get from Taylor? Uh, I like him if he's starting. I like whoever's starting for the for Cleveland because they've got a nice group of receivers there, assuming Josh Gordon is is able to play week one and play most of the games this season. But you look at Taylor specifically, 
His per game average, 16.6 fantasy points, uh, would have been good enough for uh, low QB1 numbers uh, in 2017. Uh, so given those receive, the receiving core that he has there, uh, we have new uh, offensive coordinator Todd Haley, who came over from Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh offense has been really good for a long time. Uh, right now they're committed to him. Um, Taylor is the leader of the team, quote-unquote, from Haley. Uh, so, you know, if the Browns get off to a good start, three and one, two and two, you know, one and three, even I think Taylor continues to start and they don't really move on to Mayfield until it looks like they might be out of playoff contention. Who knows when that is. Uh, And then maybe they make a playoff run or they're in it until the end. Uh, And then you have Taylor starting uh, the entire season. I think given his, where he's being drafted, he's a, he's a terrific value and he's definitely somebody that can get you through the first few weeks of the season. If you want to draft somebody like Winston. All right, talk about your two quarterback slash super flex strategy. Some people have asked you about this. Expand for listeners on the podcast. Yeah, super flex is basically you can use a quarterback in the in one of your flexes, and you almost always want to do that based on quarterback scoring. So you just treat it as a two quarterback league. So I just pulled up the two quarterbacks dot com uh, ADP uh, just to kind of go over what's happening in drafts. You know, a guy like Rodgers goes 12, Russell Wilson goes 25, Deshaun Watson goes 29, Wentz goes 32. So you can see that the quarterbacks are being drafted earlier and earlier in these drafts. And so what I try to look for is the value towards the end and where, you know, guys that you can get and when you can get them. Like Eli Manning, pick 132. I just talked about him. You can get him in at the end of the 11th round uh, of a two-quarterback league. So maybe you draft one stud in the first few rounds and then you try to grab Manning as your second, or you could grab Manning as your third, maybe take a Bortles at 119 or Alex Smith at 108, um, Trubisky at 105. Uh, so you just, the quarterback in a two quarterback league, you really are treating a quarterback like a wide receiver or running back. Um, guys you need to load up on. If you, if you want to have three so that you can cover bye weeks, maybe an injury, um, you might need to draft three quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds or eight rounds. Uh, Roethlisberger's going like pick 75. So that's, um, I don't know, seventh round. Um, you know, you got Jared Goff going in the sixth round. So you, uh, you obviously have to bump everybody up and uh, start putting more of a priority on, on who you want. And I, what I would do is go look at this ADP and say, okay, who can I live with where? Um, can I live with uh, maybe a you know starting Drew Brees pick forty eight and then look at Eli Manning and plan on Eli Manning in the tenth round or Tyrod Taylor with pick one fifty? Uh, that's a pretty good value even in this format because um, you know getting him that late and you're going to get how many starts out of him? I think you're in pretty good shape with Taylor given his ability to score fancy points on the ground as well. So uh, that's how I would approach it. I would look at the ADP. Um, and kind of figure out pairings that I could deal with and then, and then try to draft uh, the rest of my team around that. And then finally, before we end the pod here, I do think it's interesting to look at the, the rookie quarterbacks. They're, they're most, they're, they're probably the hardest to project uh, any rookie for that matter. Um, but with quarterbacks, especially when you're looking at the surrounding cast, a lot of times these quarterbacks are being drafted by bad teams. They don't have great uh, supporting cast from a wide receiver standpoint or the running game or uh, defense but let's talk about the, the the rookie QBs. You currently have them ranked Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. How many games are these guys going to play, and is it worth drafting any of them in a two-QB league? 
Yeah, these all these players were drafted with capable vets on the on the roster. Um, Sam Darnold has Josh McCown. I feel I feel like he's I have him ranked the highest because the Jets probably are going to be out of the playoff contention first. Although I don't know <laughs> about the Bills. Uh, yeah, but you know they have that team is really bad. Yeah, they have AJ McCarron there, who's probably going to start. So I don't know about Allen. I have Allen ranked third, I think, because I I just feel like Allen's not that good. Uh, so how good of a rookie season could he have? Uh, Josh Rosen is playing um, in Arizona behind Sam Bradford. Uh, that team could be in playoff contention for a while, and Rosen could sit. Um, Baker Mayfield, who analytics wise seemed to be one of the players that everybody loved in terms of the quarterback position, although he's a little bit undersized, you know, he's playing behind Tyrod Taylor. We talked a lot about that. Um, drafting both Taylor and Mayfield is not a bad idea in real deep drafts, like a deep court, uh, two quarterback draft. Um, you could lock up that quarterback spot for the, for the Browns and get good value there. And then Lamar Jackson, kind of the wild card of the rookie class because Joe Flacco is now suddenly dropping dimes in camp and looking great. <laughs> So well, of course how, he's got Lamar Jackson breathing down his neck. You know he's he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, Joe Flacco. Uh, President Trump said that during the campaign that he was elite, so it must be true. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know Jackson is is another guy everybody's really excited about because of his athletic ability. But this is like if he if he comes into the game, it's just a completely different dynamic in the quarterback position. I can't think of two quarterbacks that are you know maybe more different than Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. So. There is some talk of him playing, you know, a role, even with Flacco healthy and the starter. So that will be interesting to watch. Uh, but, you know, obviously having Jackson ranked a little bit, um, you know, hurts Flacco because there's only so many pass yards, rush yards and stuff I can assign to these guys. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know who's going to end up starting the most. Typically, r- r- rookie quarterbacks do, that are taken the first round, typically do get some starts because uh, they're, they're being drafted by bad teams who don't have good quarterbacks typically and they fall out of the playoff contention. And then all of a sudden it becomes, okay, uh, you know, the season's over it's time to get ready for next year. You know, let's, let's get some experience for our rookie quarterback. And that's when it happens. So you're looking at mid season probably um, for these guys. I think if there's an injury to McCown, you know, Darnold's interesting. Same with Bradford with Rosen, same with Tyrod Taylor with Baker Mayfield and same with uh, same goes for uh, Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. I think the guy I'm least excited about is Josh Allen and that Buffalo offense. There's just no weapons there uh, in the passing game for them. Yeah, he's he arguably has the biggest leap because when he played at Wyoming, I know a lot of people cited the fact that he didn't have a lot around him, but there, it's not like all of these other quarterbacks had immense talent around him. Sir Sam Darnold at USC had good talent. Uh, but even Josh Rose, I mean, the offensive line for UCLA was decimated by injuries. They were horrible, and he still found a way to, to – um, just be somewhat productive before he got hurt. So uh, I'm not high on Josh Allen. I think long-term, I, I really like Josh Rosen out of this bunch, but I would not be surprised if Sam Darnold has some success. And I really like Lamar Jackson. You put him in the right system. Um, he certainly could be, uh, you know, what Deshaun Watson was a, a year ago. And one of those guys that can extend plays, he's got a great arm. And I thought he showed a lot from a passing standpoint his final year at Louisville last year. And Bobby Petrino has done – you know, say what you want about him being kind of a punch punching bag off the off the field. You know, he does he does pretty good work with quarterbacks. So I'm I'm interested to see what Lamar Jackson, if and when he gets into the starting 
role there in Baltimore and see what he can do. All right, that's uh, that's it for our quarterback podcast here on the Most Accurate Podcast. You can follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Next week, we're doing running backs, John? Yes, next week, running backs. Excellent. Then obviously, we'll do wide receivers and tight ends. And before you know it, the week one of the season will be here and we'll, we'll be talking about uh, waiver wire pickups and injury news and all that. So it's, it's going to be another fun year for us here at 444.com. That's it. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Yeah.